Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Walden. My guest today is Pierre-Jean Monoyer of the Casa Raya Winery in Montalcino. Welcome. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good. You're in Montalcino at the moment? Yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Casa Raya. Just tell us a little bit about how you became involved with uh, Casa Raya. Well, we, we created the winery in um, 2006. Uh, we had one hectare of Brunello um, in, uh, in the family of my wife. And then we planted more vineyard. And then in 2010, we start to get more vineyard in uh, Castiglione d'Orcia. So we start to make uh, Bevilo Toscano. And now we are around uh, nearly four hectares. And I'm going to plant another hectare this year if, uh, if COVID permits. And your wife, what's her name? Kalina Temerte Canta. And sh- uh, she's Italo Canadian, correct? Yeah, yeah. The dad is from uh, Milan, and the mom was a uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, immigrant to Canada uh, during the war. It's a multi multicultural family. And so, and you're from um, you have a you have Corsican blood, and your father was. Yeah, my yeah mother's side is uh, Corsican, and the father is from um, Bourgogne. And you were born in Cannes. Yeah. On the Côte d'Azur, okay. So just how did you two meet? Well, we met in, uh, in China in 2002, and I had a bar a restaurant in a little village called uh, Dali, with a nice place uh, in the mountain. And after we met, after a few months, but we stayed together, and then I came back with her um, in Europe, and, I, and we came here um, in, uh, in Tuscany, and we did a bit of harvest of uh, grape and uh, olive. And then we went to live uh, three, four years in France before coming back in Italy, because in 2006, the farmer who was renting the Bonello vineyard was finishing his contract. So we, we, we took back the land and we started to do our own wine. So the land is belonged to Kalinia's mother, who bought the estate. Yeah, yeah she, she was coming um, since the 70s, uh, in Montalcino, because she had... Like it's a long story, but like like she had a, a connection with Montalcino from like her ex husband who had, who had a girlfriend in Montalcino in the, in the sixties. <laughs> it's a long way, it's a family story. It will it will take the full podcast to tell this one. So <laughs> we we don't mind. This is great. No, it's a long story, but to make it short, like in 2006, we, we took back the, the vineyard. And then um, in 2009, we managed to build a wine cellar and, and we were able to do our own wine. So for the first four years, I did my wine with two other wineries in Montalcino, who are like a friend who also do organic uh, natural wine. And it was uh, Fonteranza first. And uh, then uh, Pionde Lorino. So, yeah, both of those estates are either organic or biodynamic, and you are also of that persuasion. You like working in a natural way, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I came into wine, uh, I thought like all, all the wine was made just with grape, but then uh, I discovered there was like 200 chemicals uh, you can add to the mix. So, we tried to do wine just with grape, which is, um, I mean, a bit challenging with the uh, Climatic change, but uh, yeah, in Montalcino, it's pretty pretty easy to do organic. I mean, everybody could could do it. It's not a, not a, a challenge. Okay, so is it true that the estate used to belong to the Biondi Santi family? 
Yeah, most of this side of Montalcino uh, was owned by Biondisanti, and slowly in the 60 to the 90s, they sold pieces. And this one, uh, my mother-in-law got it in 97. And uh, and it was, uh, I think, some German people who got it first from Biondisanti, and they just put a caravan and they were coming on holiday. Uh, and holiday there, and after 84, there was this, this big uh, frost, and then uh, most of the old olive tree died, so they were like desperate, and they, they sold the land. Before, we, we had probably like 200 huge olive tree, who had like a 200, 300 years old, so it was totally another landscape. Like when they died, like new one grew, but like for them, it was they, they lost what they <laughs> what they loved. <laughs> I mean, what's it like, the, the situation that you're in, geographically, you're right sort of underneath the town. Yeah, we are southwest, so so we have, we have a very good wind, like the, the vineyards are pretty well um, aerated, so we don't get much mold, mold, mildew, like it's very rare now. Do you, I mean, when you look out of the window or you're in the vineyard working and you're looking, uh, I guess it would be east or north, what can you see? Are you looking at like Canalicchio? Well, I mean, I see Siena uh, in the back, in the back Siena, and then uh, the Montozoli Hill uh, underneath, and then on the right we have Montalcino with like the Madonna and the and the Fortezza on the right, and then on the other side you can see uh, the hill of um, of uh, Corte Pavone. Apart from wine, do you do like agritourism? Because obviously it's a beautiful place. On the limit of a natural park, who, who is like I think eighty kilometers, like the like it's just for us, so it's pretty. Interesting. You've got three kids now. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we don't have enough space. Like with three kids. <laughs> <laughs> one, one for us so far. So, I mean, over the years that you've been there, you know, have you detected any any beneficial changes that have happened in Montalcino? Do you think it's a better place now than it was then? in terms of environmentality, maybe? Slowly, slowly. I mean, like um, everything is, is, is very slow in Montalcino because like mostly the people who live in Montalcino uh, are, uh, are not so many. Like it's not a, it's not a huge community. Slowly, slowly, uh, things are evolving and, and also with, uh, with the social media. Because before Montalcino was was really isolated, like it was not on the I mean on the map. No, no, everybody know Montalcino. Before everybody said Montalcino was Montepulciano, so <laughs> so no, no people start to understand Montalcino is where we make Bonello. So it start to be more more clear. And the consortium is doing a huge job of uh, of advertising. Since the last ten years, they they develop a lot of com- advertising. Like yeah, promotion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you. Vineyards are certified organic, and you work in a kind of a, a natural way. See, your your winemaking is quite interesting in terms of in terms of oak aging. So you you oak age the wines um, a little bit longer, it seems, than normal in Montalcino, at least as far as the rules are concerned. Why why is it so important for you to age your wines in wood for that little bit longer? Mostly when I um, when I start to age the wood after two years, I was happy with uh, wine and I start to make a bit of rosso di Montalcino, and then the rest of the wine I keep aging and then it got better like the third year and the fourth year. I like even try uh, four and a half year, but I saw like at the at the fourth year the the wine is at best, and then between four and four and a half, mostly we just have a volatile acidity go higher and the wine open more and it's not pleasant anymore. So mostly I saw like with, with this vineyard for a year what, what the wine uh, like. Like it really gets better, so it will be a shame to bottle it uh, too early. 
So I stopped to go to Montalcino. I do a Nibonello now. So Cencioni is a, is a winery near you. They also um, age their wine for 36 or 40 months. Um, and they're just up the road from you, Cencioni, no? But I saw, I saw like um, in the museum of uh, Brunello, they were saying uh, people were aging like six, seven years, Brunello. So technically, like historically, uh, aging was very long. It was like the special... Uh, Special power of the Sangiovese in Montalcino. It was to, to be able to age so long. So I think for four years, four years is okay because I don't use uh, much sulfite, etc. Like if you do a wine with with chemical, probably you can even do seven years. But like with natural wine, with not a lot of uh, sulfite in the wine when it's aging, like you cannot. Uh, I mean, I cannot do more than four. And for the Rosso di Montalcino, how long does that spend in oak? But I did, I did it for like two, three years, uh, just two year wood. And then I stopped to do it uh, in 2010 to do only Bonello because I got this other vineyard. So I started to make Bevilo, which was a bit more like a super Toscan blend. So the Bonello, no, it's only one hectare and I do around 4,000 bottles of Bonello every year. So the Bevilo is a Toscano Rosso and it's, is it made from Sangiovese with Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon? Yeah, and Canaiolo too. Ah, and Canaiolo, okay. Yeah, <laughs> not, not every year because sometimes uh, the bird eats uh, a lot of canaiolo. <laughs> okay. When you're at home together and you're having some food, what are your favorite food and wine pairings with your with your wines, whether it's the Super Tuscan Bevilo or the Rosso or Brunello? I will be uh, all the animals with uh, or grape, <laughs> like the wild boar and, uh, and the deer, some, some, uh, some uh, um, rabbits. A wild rabbit? Yeah, well, I just, yeah, I mean, uh, normally the wild ones are called hares because they're big. Yeah, hares, yeah. How do you cook that? Yeah, mostly kind of meat. But I mean, we, we, we have hunters going around all year, so we get a bag of bloody meat uh, every year. So we, we have a bit of, uh, of white boar uh, and deer. So, no, but I mean, we clean them, uh, we freeze them, and then after you can do uh, like or uh, bolito or... Uh, or uh, uh, like fine. You don't. You said so. You, you said you don't do um, any sort of agritourism. I mean, but do you do any events at the winery? Do you have people coming to do tastings that they maybe pay for? Tasting, tasting. Yeah, we do on on, on call, or or, or sometimes people just pass by. But we don't have um, a big cellar because we start with just two hectares ten years ago. But now we have four hectares and we are still in a wine cellar for two hectares. So we are really really straight. It's mostly a barrel tasting, uh, informal, and like we don't have a tasting room, uh, <laughs> really decent. It will take us another, another 10 years to get there. You say you have three children. I'm sure they're still quite young. Do you hope one or two of them will be interested in taking on the vineyards? Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I am 45, so I can go 30 more years. <laughs> At one point, I will have to pass it down. Okay, and uh, what do you do? What do you guys do in your spare time? I know it must be difficult when you have a vineyard and three kids. Oh no, mostly you, you when you don't have uh, stuff to do for the winery, you have stuff to do around your house because, um, like you know, as you know, in the countryside, you need a permanent care of uh, of everything. I mean, we don't have TV since. Uh, I mean, since two thousand one, I didn't watch TV so. <laughs> <laughs> we got busy, you know. Is there anything that you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you about so far? For today, no, no, no not specially. Okay, I think we're done. I mean, uh, I could just maybe ask you about your your where you sell the wine. What are your best markets, maybe? 
until the COVID, I was selling half I was making in the States and the rest in, in Europe, mostly uh, Northern Europe and uh, Switzerland, Belgium. And then since, uh, since the COVID, I am selling more in Italy because uh, outside uh, it become, it become um, really difficult uh, to, to get people following uh, previous orders. So mostly in Italy, you know, with Enoteca, we managed to, to, to sell a bit of wine to survive, but like we, we need uh, the world to open again because um, one point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is harder for this, but your overheads are proportionately higher than the, than the big... Uh, I mean, you're in an area where you have some quite, quite large wineries. You have some smaller ones, but some um, in that area. Two years, like if, we, if there is nobody going in a restaurant uh, and uh, enjoying wine... Uh, it's going to be out for everybody. I mean, I don't know how many winery uh, will survive uh, two, three years like this. Like the big one will survive, but the little one. But the nice thing is like we do wine for aging. So my wine get better with time. So even if I have bad years, I can always count on an older year to, to go ahead. So, so um, you know, wine, it, it get value with time. So... So it's not a risk to produce the wine anyway, and I, I will not stop to make it. <laughs> How much time do you ever get to go back to uh, to France? But mostly I just go in Corsica two weeks at the end of August when we are sure the grapes are, uh, are safe. And last year I went two weeks in Corsica. When I came back, I lost uh, quite, um, nearly two-thirds of the grape in uh, in the Beville vineyard because the bird, like a cloud of bird came and for one week and they, they ate all the grape while I was on holiday. <laughs> There's only two weeks in, you know, in a year you go away and, and it's a tricky one. Yeah, but they're clever. They have like bird internet and they can speak with each other long distances. They go for the best grapes. That's the point. Yeah, they know they're not stupid. And then next year I'm going to get a falcon or something to, <laughs> to chase them. <laughs> a falcon and a couple of tigers. And that'll scare them. Yeah. My, they have like fake, um, you know, fake falcon. They can st- stand in the sky um, if there is enough wind. So they can, and you can actually um, frighten the bird. Okay, Pierre-Jean, I just want to say thanks to you for um, telling us a little bit about the Casa Raya winery in Montalcino. It's a beautiful situation where you are. It really is one of the best spots. Very tranquil, isolated uh, little place where you live and fantastic wines. Hand-farmed. And um, I hope uh, things improve and you manage to sell some of your wonderful wine. Okay. Thank you. Take care, Piaget. And say hi to Mrs. Piaget, okay? <laughs> Thank you very much. Ciao. Take care. Ciao, ciao. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.